Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. It's a blessing that God allows us to, those of you who have a mom that you knew well, not everybody gets that opportunity. I've had friends whose mom died in childbirth or by the time they were two or when they were little. Uh, I praise God that I got to get to know my mom really well over the course of my life. Uh, I, she, it was a blessing. And those of you who had that opportunity, especially if your mom was a blessing in your life. I did have one friend whose mom was not a blessing in his life. And she almost outlived him. It was really close. But uh, praise God for the people that God brings in our lives. For some of you, it was your birth mom. For some of you, it was adopted. For some of you, it was a mom that you chose to adopt. You just made somebody and treated her like a mom. Uh, but what a blessing. And so we're going to, in just a little bit, be turning to Second Timothy. You can turn there and we'll read a verse in just a minute. Now, you see back on the bulletin board, or on the map back there, there's pictures of people that we support. We are very blessed as a church to be able to support quite a few missionaries, and, uh, and, and it's fun. We also support a couple of evangelists. One of those is Pete Rice. And Pete and his wife Annette have been in ministry together for many, many years. Started out when uh, they were just barely out of college. Actually, he started before he was out of college, uh, speaking as an evangelist. And uh, we have seen people saved under his ministry right here in Casa Graham, but also in uh, more than two dozen states and I think at least a dozen foreign countries where uh, we have had a part in those people getting saved because we support his ministry. And we're blessed to be able to partner with the missions and missionaries and evangelists that we support. Now, Annette Rice, a few years ago, uh, she said that spiritual gifts mentioned in Scripture are demonstrated by moms, by the actions of a mother. And so here's what Annette shared. A kid says, a mom says to a kid, here, let me kiss it and make it well. That's the gift of healing. <laughs> mom, I need a pilgrim costume by tomorrow for the Thanksgiving play. That's the gift of miracles. <laughs> if you climb that tree and fall out, you will hurt yourself. The gift of prophecy. <laughs> I'm not going to spank you. The gift of mercy. I didn't, she did, she made me do it. The interpretation of tongues. <laughs> Your shoes are on the wrong feet. That's the gift of teaching. Here, you can eat my pie. I'm not really hungry anyway. The gift of giving. And then stop burying your brother in the sandbox. That's the gift of ruling. So moms give evidence of the different things that are part of the spiritual gifts. But this morning, what we're going to look at is uh, faith to the next generation, encouraging them to trust and follow Jesus Christ. And so Paul, writing to Timothy, talks about the legacy that Timothy, Timothy has received from the women in his life. And so he starts in uh, First Timothy, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 5. He says, When I call to remembrance 
the genuine faith that is in you, which dealt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Now, if we were saying that in English today, you'd have a friend and she spelled her name that way, it would be Eunice. Uh, but in their day, that's how it was pronounced. So, uh, if you have kids and grandkids, then you definitely want them to trust and follow Jesus Christ. But, but what if you don't? Uh, some women don't have the opportunity to have kids. Uh, some women don't have the opportunity to have grandkids, and not everyone is blessed in that way. But you still have the obligation and the opportunity to influence other people's kids and grandkids, to encourage them to trust and follow Jesus Christ. Years ago, I had a friend who felt like she couldn't help in children's ministry because God had never blessed her with children. So she said, God doesn't trust me with kids, so I can't help in children's ministry. She was phenomenal helping in children's ministry. Uh, such a blessing in the lives of those young girls, especially, who would all run and tell her. Any new thing in their week, they'd run to tell her. And see, we all share this goal. We all want to encourage future generations to trust and follow Jesus Christ. We should all share in this effort. And so if we do this, here's some things that we need to incorporate into our lives. And this is not just for moms, this is for dads, this is for aunts and uncles, this is for um, anybody who cares about kids. First, you need a close, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to have that. You need to be connected with him. A genuine and sincere faith, that's how Paul describes it here, and remember, it's the genuine, unfeigned, sincere faith that is in you. Uh, it, saving faith is personal. It's not a group project. It's personal. Each man, each woman, each teen, each child who comes to Christ must trust Christ individually. It's not something you can do for someone else or really even with someone else. I, I had the opportunity of leading a couple boys to Christ. They were best friends. They got saved the same day. They trusted Christ. They got baptized the same day. But they each one had to come to Christ on their own. So it, it's, it's kind of a three-part step. It's one big step, but three little parts to it. First, you turn from then you turn to, and then you follow through. So you turn from your sinfulness. You recognize that you're heading down the wrong path. It, that repentance is a change of direction, like you're heading this way, and you need to change direction. If you've ever um, gone past where you needed to go, you make a U-turn, or a series of right turns to get back where you need to be, or left turn. Uh, so your life is heading the wrong way, until you believe on and trust in Jesus. So you turn away from your sinfulness, from your sinful past. And then you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. You trust and believe that what he did on the cross, not this pretty looking cross here, but an ugly wooden cross, a tree hacked into a cross, uh, raised there 
paying the penalty for your sins and mine when he died on the cross. So um, then you were dead in trespasses and sins, the Bible says, until you believed on and trusted in Jesus Christ. And then the third step, part of that step, it's just one big step. You're turning from, you're turning to, and then you're going to follow through uh, to trust and follow Jesus Christ. Uh, when you turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus, that's called the new birth. And then when you follow through, that's called sanctification. It's you're dedicating your life to follow him. So in Acts 8, uh, it tells the story of Philip and an Ethiopian ruler. Uh, the Ethiopian happened to be the person in charge of the entire treasury for the country of Ethiopia. And he had gone to Israel and he had been worshiping there in Jerusalem. And now he's on his way back and he's reading from the book of Isaiah. And Philip comes and meets him on the road and starts talking to him. And the scripture says, right there from the book of Isaiah, he started preaching Jesus Christ. He started sharing the prophecies in Isaiah that spoke of the life and legacy of Jesus Christ. And this person then trusted Christ. And then he got baptized. And then he went on his way to continue down to Ethiopia and live for Christ. In fact, uh, in church histories, extra, not in the Bible, but in church history since then, uh, when they sent missionaries into Ethiopia, they found a thriving Christian church in Ethiopia that was probably begun by this man who was the treasurer for Candace, who was queen of Ethiopia back in that day. The scriptures point to Jesus. You need a relationship with him. Timothy's grandmother, Lois, had trusted Jesus. She was a committed follower. He said, it first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois. And then Timothy's mom also had this. And now Paul referred to the genuine and sincere faith that he saw in Timothy. He said he was persuaded that Timothy was really serious about following Christ. Timothy had trusted Jesus Christ as his savior and was seeking to follow him. Your faith will show up in your life. Last week we looked at the spiritual gift or the spiritual fruit, the fruit of the spirit part on faithfulness. And we said, if you have genuine faith, faithfulness will show up in your life. And so uh, that's how Timothy was. Now, did you know that you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ much the way that you grow in your relationship with other people? How many of you have a particularly close, close friend living here in Casagrande? Right? How did you get to be close friends with that person? Talk. But if all you did was talk and they didn't also talk, talking and listening. You, you share life with them. You talk with them, you listen to them, you interact with them, you get to know them better over the years, over the time span. Uh, see, that's, that's how we get to know Christ too. You talk with him. How do you talk with Jesus? Prayer. In prayer. Yeah. 
You, you call to the Father in the name of Jesus. You pray and you talk with Jesus. How do you listen to Jesus? There's two ways. One is you read the scripture. The scripture points to Jesus all through it, uh, especially the gospels, which tell the story, the history of Jesus' life on earth. You, you read the scriptures, but you also listen to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is testifying of who Jesus is. And the Bible says, once you receive Jesus Christ as your savior, the Holy Spirit then lives inside you and then you can listen to the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, I'm not very good at listening to the Holy Spirit. I got some advice for you, okay? Pay better attention. Every now and then, I mishear what Kathy said. Sometimes it's not my fault. Sometimes what she says is a little ambiguous. Sometimes it's not that I couldn't hear, it's that I didn't. So she ratted me out to somebody this week. I was walking and I was on my way home and she was out walking. We don't walk together because you know, when, when we walk together, our strides don't match up. I walk really fast with long strides. She doesn't do long strides for some reason. And so I was coming back from my walk. She's going around with her walk and she said, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go around the neighborhood once, like half mile loops. And then I'm gonna go around once and then I'm gonna move the hose and then I'm gonna go around again and then I'm gonna move the hose and then I'm gonna go around again and then I'm gonna move. She's, and I walked into the backyard. I heard her say all that, you know, and I walked into the backyard and I thought, oh, the hose is on. <laughs> so a little while later, Kathy walks in the back door and said, did you turn the hose off? And I'm like, oh, yes. She said, you weren't listening. I said, no. <laughs> so you have to pay attention to hear the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going to yell at you. The Holy Spirit's not going to say, Get back, cozy! Voice one. But the Holy Spirit's not going to do that. The, the Holy Spirit is described in Scripture when He speaks, it's the still small voice. So he's the one who wrote this book. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And Peter said, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's the one who wrote this book through the writer. So the more familiar you are with God's word, the easier it is for you to follow the Holy Spirit. And listen, you listen, you learn, you draw closer, you learn from the wisdom and the example of Jesus in Scripture, you learn from the Holy Spirit, and you need a close, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the cool thing is, He wants it too. So uh, there have been times maybe uh, somebody wanted to be your friend, and you were like, uh, maybe in heaven would be a lot of fun. No, uh, but but some people you really click with, resonate with. Well, anytime you take a step toward Jesus, He's already taking a step toward you. James described him as drawing nigh to God; He will draw nigh to you. As you move toward Him, He's moving toward you, and you can have a 
close relationship with Jesus. Secondly, that if you really want to impact the next generation, you need to model the behavior and values of Jesus Christ. Model his behavior and his values. In Philippians 1.20, Paul said, According to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul said, that's what I want to do. I want to influence people for Jesus on purpose all the time. The things that were important to Jesus became important to Paul. Now, when Kathy and I started dating, we realized we came from two totally different worlds. Our families were radically different. No, no joke, I was the shy, quiet one in my family. She was the loud, noisy one in hers. Our families were way different. And I was a shock to her family uh, for a little bit. Uh, but uh, she was still in high school and we were dating seriously. I was in the Marine Corps and, and uh, she didn't know anything about the Marine Corps. She didn't. And so I bought her notebooks and gave her notebooks she'd take to high school and keep notes in this Marine Corps notebook. And pretty soon she could recognize all of the officers and all the enlisted ranks. And she could tell the difference just by looking at the little thing on their sleeve or collar and know exactly who was who and what was what. She probably couldn't even sing the Marines hymn. Uh, she learned it. Why? Because it was very important to me. Now, I had never listened to classical music. I do now, but at that stage, I never have. I don't recall ever being around it. I don't recall ever hearing it, except maybe it's music in an elevator or something. I just had nothing, no idea that classical music even existed. She played viola in an orchestra, and she was in all-state orchestra. So guess what I did? I went to an orchestra concert, first time in my life. And we started then going to the uh, symphony together. We had many times over the lifetime that we've had together, we, we have enjoyed the symphony and gone many times, but I never had experienced that before I started dating her and it was important to her. So things that were important to me, she took an interest in, and things that were important to her, I took an interest in. And why? Because we valued each other. And that's what we do in our relationship with Jesus. We value him and we learn from him. When you love somebody, truly love them, that your values influence their lives. And that's, that's true in your personal relationship with Jesus, just like it's true in your personal relationship with other people. And then just as Jesus submitted to the Father, so you and I submit to Jesus and we follow him. Following him includes love and grace, two of our favorite words, love and grace. But it doesn't just include that. It also includes a firm commitment to obedience. A firm commitment to obey God's word and God's way. And then it includes an absolute trust that God is doing 
what's best in your life. We go through hard times. We go through difficult things. We go through things that we wish we'd never had to, and yet God is using that very thing for good in your life. And Jesus could trust the Father, even facing the cross. He could say, not my will, but yours be done. It wasn't just submission and obedience. It was a belief that God would do what's right. So you need to model the behavior and values of Jesus if you want to influence people for him. Thirdly, you need to view your relationships from a spiritual perspective. When Paul was writing to the church in Rome, he said, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Every relationship is spiritual. Every one. They are helping, people are helping or encouraging you spiritually, or you are helping and encouraging them spiritually, or ideally, both. Uh, even a casual acquaintance is a spiritual relationship. Uh, so ask yourself, how am I helping them? How are they helping me? What would be the best thing for me to say or for me to do or place for me to go? As the saying goes, you are either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. One or the other. You need to view your relationships from a spiritual perspective. For you are not responsible for their response. I don't know what's going on in this picture that's on the screen. Uh, it looks like maybe a mom talking with a teenage daughter, uh, but one person is not listening very well, not liking what they're hearing. Any of you moms ever experienced that with teenage kids? Yeah. Uh, any of you teenage kids? You are not responsible for their response. Listen to these words. Um, it, if you have a red letter edition and you were looking this up in your Bible, uh, part of this would show up in red. Matthew 23, 37. These are the words of Jesus. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you, to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Just, I just wanted to cover over you and protect you from what's coming, but you were not willing. Here's another time when Jesus is talking. In Mark 10, 21, Jesus is looking at the rich young ruler, and he loved him. The scripture said Jesus looked at him and loved him, and here's what he said. One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. Now pause there just a moment. Jesus only said that to one guy. Now God could lead you to do exactly what Jesus told this guy to do, but that's not what Jesus instructed for anybody else. You have to be generous toward God. But you don't have to give everything away. That, in fact, Christians have used their homes for Bible studies and, and for opportunities to teach people and starting churches. Many churches have been started in a home. So, um, but now here's what, the, what happened. 
after Jesus said this to this one person, he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So both times Jesus said, this is what I wanted, and you would not, and this is what you should do, and he did not. So did Jesus fail because many of the people in Jerusalem did not trust and follow him? Did Jesus fail? No. No. Did Jesus fail because this rich young ruler chose riches on earth instead of riches in heaven? No, Jesus did not fail. Now, Satan loves to mess with your head. He loves to mess with your head. And he will whisper things into your head. He'll make you think that you are responsible for all kinds of things that are not your responsibility. They are not. So the sinful choices made by other people, including your kids, your grandkids, your closest friends, they are not your fault. Those people made sinful choices. You did not. You are responsible to do your best to create an environment where your kids and grandkids and other kids around you can look to Jesus. They can be pointed to Jesus. But you're not responsible for their response. You are responsible to try and point them in the right direction, but you are not responsible to force them down the right path. Um, you can't keep your kids safe, completely safe. You can't keep your grandkids completely safe. Uh, Paul does not mention, um, sorry, God allows difficult, painful, sometimes awful circumstances, but then he uses them for your good. What's missing in Second uh, <coughs> Timothy 1.5? Who's not mentioned? God's God. <coughs> no mention of grandma's husband, the grandpa, no mention of the mom's husband, the father of Timothy. Not mentioned at all. Were they not mentioned because they were not believers? Probably. So how could Lois, a believer, raise a daughter, Eunice, who then married an unsaved man? Well, believers should marry believers. In fact, those of you young people, I think Christians should only date other Christians because you want to, to have a relationship with somebody who's encouraging you in the Lord. And we could go around the room and talk to some people who ended up married to somebody they thought was a Christian and then they ended up not being one. But at least you give it your best shot when you start out trying to date somebody who is a believer. But in their culture, women didn't get to choose who they married. It didn't happen. I mean, in our culture, we get to choose. There was a time when Ben and Teresa didn't even know each other. And then they got to know each other. And then they liked each other. And then Teresa asked him to marry her. And he said yes. Wait, I may have that backwards. <laughs> yeah, what? Teresa got to choose Ben, and Ben got to choose Teresa. That's how it is most of the time in our culture. But in their culture back then, you got stuck. And if 
Eunice's dad was unsaved. He could have made her marry this unsaved guy. He had that legal right in their culture. Ladies, aren't you glad it's different in our culture? Yeah. And so, but there's dozens of men and women that I know who married somebody they met in church, and then that person ended up not following the Lord. So what we do know is that Lois influenced Eunice, and both of them influenced Timothy. Now, Timothy had to receive Jesus on his own, personally asking Christ to be his Savior. But Lois and Eunice left a spiritual legacy that made it easier for Timothy to become a believer because he had people already pointing the way. So that's what they did. That's all they did. You are not responsible for the response of other people. If they choose poorly, it's not because of you. If they choose wisely, it's not because of you. You are not responsible for their response. Number five, you need to remember that God is in charge of the effectiveness of your efforts. God is in charge. First Corinthians 3, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. You have the authority to represent Jesus Christ on earth. That's why we're called Christians. But you do not have the authority of Jesus Christ. You can't command things like Jesus could. And if you have kids or grandkids that are not yet following Jesus or who once did follow him and they're no longer doing it, then don't give up hope. Pray for them, uh, long for them, model your faith before them, but leave their salvation in the Lord's hands. He's quite capable of drawing them unto himself and you cannot force them to follow him. I know Christians who kind of force, want to force feed their kids or grandkids because they feel desperate. We can't do that. That actually drives them further away. What we can do is pray for them, show love for them, and care about them. So, also, if you have kids and grandkids that are following Christ, don't spend time dislocating your shoulder because you're trying to pat yourself on the back so well. Uh, sometimes your kids make wise choices in spite of you, not because of you. Uh, so if you see a kid from your Bible class who's doing well or from your water class and they're doing well, you taught in children's church and now they seem to be following the Lord, and, uh, don't pat yourself on the back. It's by God's grace that any of us are saved. It's by God's grace that any of us have an opportunity to follow him. And you need to remember that God is in charge of the effectiveness of your efforts. So, yes, praise God that Lois had an influence on Eunice, and Eunice and Lois together had an influence on Timothy. And praise God that Timothy now has that genuine faith, that sincere unfeigned, not fake at all, sincere and right faith in Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. And then try to influence other potential Timothys. We need to try and pass our faith on to the next generation, encouraging them 
to trust and follow Jesus. Will we reach everybody we try to reach? Not a chance. Even Jesus didn't reach everybody he tried to reach. Not because Jesus was ineffective. He was the greatest speaker in the world. Not because he lacked power. He was full of spiritual power through the Holy Spirit in, in his life. But because God doesn't force himself on people. And sometimes people make poor choices. Like the man that Jesus loved and cared for. And then Jesus silently watched that man walk away. We have an opportunity to influence the next generation, like Eunice did, like Lois did, like Timothy did. Timothy's had an influence in my life. Just reading about him has encouraged and strengthened me. And so we can have that influence So here's the deal. You will influence other people. Will you be a positive influence? Father, we thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for the opportunity we have to trust and follow Jesus. I pray that we would do it well. Do it all the time. In all of our relationships, we try and point people to our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.